0: Well, 2020 is about halfway over, and uh, I was doing some looking at uh, what has happened in the last six months um, leading up to this, Uh, and I just want to kind of list through, see how we're doing here. Uh, Since 2020 began, uh, we've almost gone to war with Iraq. Uh, The UK left Europe. Kobe Bryant and his daughter and friends were killed in a helicopter crash. A disease in China was spreading throughout the world and people quit drinking Corona beer. Shutdowns of borders and governments started happening. Global markets have crashed. J-Lo and Shakira had a concert and some people called it the Super Bowl. Coronavirus was a, named the pandemic, COVID-19. And uh, it's kind of confusing because some people don't know what happened to COVID-1 through 18. Churches and schools and universities and theaters and stores and restaurants closed. Those of you who have Netflix found out who Tiger King was and how Carol Baskin supposedly killed her husband. Prince Harry and Meghan left the royal family and moved to California. Ahmad Arbery was killed in Georgia, and that video went viral. North Korean leader Kim Jong-un died, we were told. West Michigan experienced flooding and high waters, which still affects some of us today. We found out that we didn't have enough toilet paper in the world. The Summer Olympics were canceled. The largest locust swarm in 70 years hit Africa. Australia burned up. Kim Jong-un showed up and was not dead after all. The Congo experienced the end of the most disastrous Ebola crisis in history. Zoom became the new form of communication around the world. A private rocket from SpaceX sent astronauts into space. The Pentagon released videos of supposed UFOs and nobody cared. Everyone watched the last dance and either felt better or worse about Michael Jordan. Then George Floyd was killed during an encounter with police in Minneapolis. Grand Rapids and other communities were set on fire. Asian murder hornets showed up in the state of Washington. And to date, more than a half a million people have died. And that's not even everything. That's just kind of skimming the top of the list of what has happened. I don't know about you. Are you tired? Are you emotionally drained? That's what's happening around us. That's not even happening to some of us. Some of us have experienced some other things during this season. It doesn't include our personal experiences of mental health issues and weddings that took place but no one could attend and we had births of children and no one could go into the hospital to see them. We had several deaths in our church and those connected to families in our church and we had drive-by grieving in our parking lots and vacations were canceled and graduations didn't take place. I know for myself it's been more than 10 weeks we're finally getting work done on our basement after it flooded back in April. And in the midst of all of these things, it's no wonder I've been reflecting, how do we keep the main thing, the main thing? How do we, in all of this, come to understand what is the priority? And what I hear over and over again, and I think it's right, is life, is the sanctity of life. That we're making changes and we're doing things because we believe that life is valued. We we as believers believe it's valued because intrinsically God gives it value. But the world is looking on and, and people are making these economic changes and other changes to save lives. And we've realized that being together with family, being together with those that we love, reaching out to others and loving them when they're in need, like... That is the priority. We can, we can handle things, we can make some changes, but we've realized in all this chaos that there is something that we should be focused on. Life. When you look at the life of the church, we've experienced several changes too. You know, when our services were no longer held and you couldn't come in person and kids' programs were no more and youth group wasn't anymore and there was all these different issues... People began to question, well, what is the church? And over the last several weeks, we've been talking about what the church is. And it's not about all of these events and all these programs, but it's something greater. It's something more. It's helped us to prioritize what it's really all about. Excuse me. Don't want to do that. Uh, We have been talking about the church is the people of God on a mission from God to a world in need. The church is the people of God on a mission from God to a world in need. And so a couple of weeks ago, Pete addressed this issue of what this church is and that it's not ours. It belongs to Jesus. The church is his bride. We are his people. And Jesus said in Matthew 16, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. This word overcome means to dominate it's this idea, we actually get the, our word uh, cataclysmic uh, from part of the Greek word of that, the root of that. And it's the idea that nothing will be too much for the church, not even uh, disasters, pandemics, not even armies, not even enemies, not even hell itself will overcome what the church is. It's his church. He's building it. And we need to be dependent upon him. And then last week, Pastor Evan talked about how we are the people of God. The people of God uh, are those who love God and love others, that we are centered on this radical love of Christ. And the more we keep our distance from people, the more we distance ourselves from others, and we, the less love that we have as we draw near. The passage last week on the Samaritan, Good Samaritan, is that as we draw near, those differences go away. We experience that wonderful and radical love we need to be loving God and loving others that's at the core of who we are as the people of God and today we want to tackle this idea of what is the mission of God and we all I'm sure have different ideas of what the mission of God is uh, when I first heard that phrase, my my I, I went right to the Blues Brothers, and if you've watched that, it's not what we're going to talk about today. That is not the mission of God, but we are on a mission, and it's centered around the gospel message, or what we call the good news of Christ. It's Jesus' life, His death, His resurrection it is the central part of all of the Scripture. It is a part of that meta narrative of. From the beginning in Genesis to the end in Revelation, it all centers around who Christ is. That God wanted to save the world, to reconcile the world to himself, and he did it through the person of Jesus Christ. And through his life, death, and resurrection, we find forgiveness for our sins. We find a way, Jesus showed us a way through his teachings and through his life of how we can come to know God. Jesus was reconciling the world unto himself that he might show them who God is. It's pretty simple. What Jesus was doing, uh, he was encountering people and he was saying, You want to know what it's like to know God? Follow me. Watch what I do. Follow me. And he just kept calling people, You want to know God? Follow me. You want to know God? Let me show you. Follow me. And it says in scripture in 1 Corinthians 5 that when he ascended, That he gave to us his church, his church. He gave to us the ministry of reconciliation. That we are doing what he was doing. That our call as the people of God is to to reach out to a world that is lost and go, hey, you want to know how to follow Jesus? Follow, Follow me as I follow him. Watch what I do. Do what I do. You want to know God? Follow. You want to know God? Follow me. Follow as I follow Jesus. Jesus, in his uh, address to his disciples before he went to the cross, we call it the Great Commission. He said this, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Go and make disciples. Disciples are followers of Christ. So that's what he wants us to do. That is our mission To go, you want to know God? Follow me as I follow Jesus. You want to know? Follow me as I follow Jesus. It's one disciple after the other. It's not a one-time prayer. It's not just showing up at church. It's, It's a commitment to a life of following Jesus. That's what disciples do. Before, people were called Christians, which by the way, Christian means one who belongs to Christ. It still carries that concept, that idea. But 13 years after the Apostle Paul uh, came to know Christ, before he started his missionary journeys, they referred to people who are followers or believers as people of the way. You can look it up in Scripture. The first time they were called Christians was in Acts 13. They were people of the way. I think that's a wonderful description because that's what Jesus is calling us to. You want to know? Follow me. I know the way. It's through Jesus. Go and make disciples. And Evan's message was so good last week when he talked about that the distance magnifies our difference and in the church. And it's not only all of the things that are happening around us in 2020, it's the things that oftentimes are happening even in the church that are good. That we become so distracted that we forget this, this mission. One might say that the church has maybe forgotten the great commission maybe we should call it the great omission of the church that we've we've tried to deal with so many other things that we've forgotten what we're really all about that we are the people of God on a mission from God to a world in need I want to look at it this way when you think about the target, what we're after, it's Jesus. He's at the core of all we do, who we are. As a matter of fact, the early church had like a creed that they would sing or they would they would talk, uh, they would share together uh, in the early church for s- several centuries, and they used Colossians chapter 1 for this. And it's this idea, this picture of who Jesus is. He is the son of the The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in Him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth visible and invisible. Whether thrones or rulers or powers or authorities, all things have been created through Him and for Him. He is before all things, and in Him, I love this phrase, all things hold together. We need that right now. And He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead so that in everything He might have the supremacy. It's the only time that word is used in Scripture. Jesus is over everything. He has the supremacy. He is at the core of all we do and who we are as followers. You want to know God? You want to know the way to God? It's Jesus. Sometimes we forget that that's our mission. And we want to create followers of a doctrine. Doctrine are different biblical beliefs. It's different theology. And we talk about that in church. It's not bad things. None of these are bad things. But we have different doctrines. And so you have different denominations. And you have the Baptists. And you, you you have the Catholic Church. And the Wesleyan Church. And Anabaptists. And all these different groups, right? And they're a little different from each other. And the farther you are away from Jesus, the less likely you are to get along. And so we want to talk about those issues and we argue about those things. And then there's convictions. Convictions are those things that that either God personally has laid on your heart. There are convictions about the way you should live, what you should do, what you shouldn't do. Sometimes those convictions are corporate convictions. There are groups of people who determine how to live. Some people have convictions about, I shouldn't drink. Some are like, I'm okay with that. Issues of tobacco and entertainment and social media and all of these things, and the farther you get out, the more we want to argue about these things and talk about these things, but the farther you get away, the more difference you have with others. And then preferences. You know, when I was growing up, uh, my grandfather's preference was don't wear jeans in church. That was, that was a big one, you know, and... Uh, and certainly he did not prefer drums. He did not like drums in church. And he made that very well known when I was growing up. However, I remember when my son, his great-grandson, started playing drums in church as a part of worship. And my grandfather would go out of his way to show up to watch him. Because what he was watching was my, his great-grandson who was leading worship to the same Jesus that he worshiped. The more we get closer to Jesus, the more we're drawn into Him, the closer we are, the more united we are. He's the target, not these other things. The church, unfortunately, we've been a people who haven't made Jesus the priority. We've made all these other things the priority. They've become a distraction for us when it comes to the mission that we're on. And I think that today, we, not as in all shores, Big sea Church, I think we're a church distracted and not acting like a church deployed. God has called us to a mission. He's called us to, to show people the way, to live the way Jesus did, and to show others how they can do the same. But we are distracted by so many things, good and bad. We're just distracted. And the enemy is using that. Enemy is causing us not to hit our target. During the invasion of present-day Pakistan in 326 BC, uh, Alexander the Great had uh, come to the Hydaspes River and uh, couldn't cross over. Couldn't he and his army? Couldn't ford over the river? Um, and on the other side was 34,000 Indians waiting to attack and 200 war elephants. I would have loved to have seen that. 200 elephants under King Porus, and they were waiting on the other side, just waiting for the attack that they knew was going to come. But Alexander the Great decided to cause some distraction. And so he sent rumors across that he wasn't going to ford the, the river until after the spring and the waters went down. And he even, to, to help with that ruse, he brought in large uh, piles of grain for his army, supposedly because they were just going to camp out for a while. And then every now and then he would send a large portion of his army down to these boats into the water and they would pretend like they were going to cross over and attack. And he just kept doing all of these things to distract. And Porus, King Porus, on the other side was waiting, and he became so distracted by these things that he didn't realize that Alexander the Great had taken more than half of his army about 20 miles upstream, had crossed over, and had surrounded him. And before he knew it, they were decimated. And Pakistan, or what is present day Pakistan, was defeated by Alexander the Great. All because he distracted them from their mission. They forgot to see what was really happening. C.S. Lewis, in his book, The Screwtape Letters, writes about these demons who are writing about how to, uh, how to keep Christians from really following Christ. And these demons write back and forth about all the little things that they're doing. And in one section, One of the demons says that you will find that anything or nothing is sufficient to attract his wandering attention. That is the Christian. Anything or nothing is sufficient to attract his wandering attention. If you can just talk about these other things, if you can just deal with these things that are going on in in their life, they will be so distracted they will forget what the mission is all about. The devil isn't trying to get us to do something big, to screw up in a great way, to commit some terrible sin, right? Sin is still sin. And the demon concludes by saying, murder is no better than cards if playing cards can do the trick. It's all about distraction. And people, I think that the enemy has distracted us from the mission. We are to be a church deployed, not a church distracted. How many times have we argued about doctrine and convictions and preferences with people instead of showing them who Jesus is and the way to live like Him? I would say, too many times. We keep trying to be right about issues and argue about issues instead of being in a right relationship with Jesus. Do you know what happens when you make followers of a cause? Or followers over an issue. If you're like, ooh, you like this issue? Come follow me. You like this issue? Come follow me. The more you do that and you win people to a particular issue and they become followers, as soon as that issue is no longer relevant or as soon as you lose the argument to that issue, you lose all your followers. But if you point people to the person of Christ who transforms lives, who brings forgiveness, who brings eternal life, who sends his Holy Spirit to dwell into our lives that we might live differently, man, you don't lose any followers. You've gained followers. And you've gained others who want to be more like that. Church, we are to be a church deployed, not a church distracted. The early church understood this. In Acts chapter 2, after the Holy Spirit had come, people's lives were being changed because they began to follow Jesus and it didn't matter their background, didn't matter their social economical status or, or their, where they came from, their race. They All believers were together and had everything in common, the scripture tells us. Man, they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Their lifestyle showed that they were followers of Christ and what they did and what they said. Their lives had been transformed. They were not following uh, some cause. They were following the way, the truth, and the life, who is Jesus himself. And I love this. And the Lord, whose church is it? It's the Lord's. It's Jesus. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. It's still his church, and he's doing the work. What he has called us to do, church, is to simply say, you want to know God? Come follow me as I follow Jesus. You want to know God? Come follow me as I follow Jesus. Our mission as a church is to show people the way to Jesus. And we do it through our centering our lives on who he is and all that we do. And church, I think the way we're going to get there is first of all, we have to start with Asking God for forgiveness. As as a church, not just all sorts, I'm just saying as a church, I believe that we need to seek God's face and ask his forgiveness for being off mission, for not making the main thing the main thing, for having too many conversations about issues related to church building and program or belief centered on something other than who Jesus is. Second, we need to center our lives change how we live our lives based on who Jesus is. That means we encounter him during the week. We talk with him. We read the Gospels again. For some of you, it may mean opening up the Scriptures again and just reading through the Gospels, who Jesus was, what he said, what he did, to help us to discern the wisdom, to know how we are to live that out in our day and age. What changes do we need to make in our lives to be more like him? And then third, I would say, we need to begin talking about Jesus. A couple weeks ago, I was taking a load of my basement to the landfill. I was sharing with the staff this part of this story. But I've been taking many trips to the landfill. They know my name. When I pull in now, they're like, hey, Mr. Spring, how are you? So, uh, so my basement flooded, and I've been gutting it all out. And uh, as I was there one day, this woman pulls up with this trailer And I can tell it's just filled full of heavy things that I knew she didn't put in the trailer. Somebody did. But they had given her the responsibility to unload it all. And she was just staring at it like I don't know what to do and was kind of looking around. I knew she was looking for help. So I went over and and offered help to just help her throw this stuff in. And here's these huge bins. There's a lineup of cars and trash trucks, like garbage trucks coming in, right? Just one after the other. Just nothing but just throwing things away and piling up there at the landfill. And God prompted me and I just looked at her and I said, this must be what Jesus meant when he said, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. That's what really matters. And she just kind of smiled and looked at me and moved on. I don't know what that conversation, what God could do with that, But she wasn't offended. She didn't go, you shouldn't talk about Jesus to me, right? She didn't yell at me because I was being religious or anything. And then I was there um, and I met Yvonne. Yvonne uh, works at the landfill. She's Native American. I got to know her and just asking her questions. She grew up on a reservation in New Mexico. And she's dark complected and oftentimes wears glasses and a hat. And she was telling me that people confuse her with a different race and color. And they make a lot of comments to her that are very negative. And uh, it just really hit me that people can be very ignorant. And um, so I apologized for stupid people everywhere. And, uh, and just told her, you know, I told her about Jesus and how accepting he was to others. She found out I was a pastor. And last time I was there, she actually went out of her way. And she came over and she said, hey, pastor. She said, "Uh, next time you're at church, will you remember to ask your church to continue to pray for me? I said, yeah, I'll do that. So I'm doing it right now. And then I had someone at my house the other day who was doing some welding. And uh, as he was welding, he was saying that when I'm finished, I'm going to take these broken pieces. And after I weld them, they're going to be stronger than they were before. And I said, oh, yeah said, you know, I think that's what Jesus does to our our lives. He takes our brokenness, and when we're together with him, he makes us so much stronger. You know, who would have thought in 2020 that uh, the least divisive thing that we could do would be to talk about Jesus? But it seems to be the case these days. And I just wonder, how often are we Talking about Jesus and our relationship with Jesus, it should come natural if, in fact, our lives are centered on Him. It should come natural because we're reading about Him. We're talking to Him each day. It should come out in our conversations. And when it does, we're able to show people the way to Jesus. We need to seek forgiveness, center our lives, and begin talking about who Jesus is and what He's done for us. You want to know God? Follow me as I follow Jesus. You want to know God? Follow me as I follow Jesus. You want to know God? Our mission is to show people the way. And church, we're too distracted. And we need to get back on mission. Some of you listening today, maybe uh, maybe you have issues with the church. Maybe, maybe they're legitimate issues, and you want to argue about doctrine and convictions and preferences and all of that. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't have those conversations, but if it's keeping us from the main thing, then let's get back to the main thing. And if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, but you want to talk about those peripheral issues, man, let's start with Jesus, and then we'll talk about it. Let's start with a relationship with who he is. He brings forgiveness for sins, comes into your life, fills you with his Holy Spirit, and gives you new life. And the hope of eternal life. Man, I want that for every person I come in contact with. And that's why we are here, church, to show people the way. Lord, would you, uh, even now in our midst, begin to stir our hearts for those who are lost, for those who are wandering, for those who, Lord, are so close to the kingdom, but they They think the kingdom is something else. God, would you help us to be people who reach out to our neighbors, our coworkers, our family, our associates, our colleagues, to be praying for them, reaching out to them, not to bring them to a cause or to a way, but to show them the way, the truth, and the life in Jesus. God, that's what we want to do to be the people of God on a mission from God to a world in need. Do that, we pray, in Jesus' name, amen.